This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. The Home Depot has holiday savings of up to 40% on select appliances, like a Whirlpool four-door French door refrigerator for just $15.98. It's perfect for a busy kitchen full of helping hands. That's where its fingerprint-resistant stainless steel finish really shines. Order online and get free delivery. Holiday appliance shopping improved. Up to 40% off select appliances. Now at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Continental U.S. only. While supplies last. Valid through December 2nd. Free delivery on orders $396 or more. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Raptor on Raptor crime, 13 straight wins, 115-106, and a terrific game to watch. More ascension to what what could be stardom someday for Terrence Davis II. A terrific start to the game for Pascal Siakam. More great guile and craftiness from Kyle Lowry before his, um, what it could be described as kind of an injury, whiplash. He missed the, uh, the last quarter and a half of the game, but the Raptors... Securing second seed, keeping keeping everything moving up there, staying on the right track with their 13th straight win. The tally keeps rising on the franchise record, and quite frankly, I think it is a, a Toronto-wide record. I'm not sure that any other Toronto sports team has uh, has beaten them, or beaten that record, I should say. Maybe, maybe the Ultimate Frisbee team has beaten them. I'd have to get to Lewis on that. I know he keeps track but a fun game a win over the Pacers and I am your host Samson Folk this is the Raptors reaction podcast here to detail for you the Raptors latest win that was yes over the Indiana Pacers a home and home of which the Raptors swept and very very good game the Raptors and maybe indicative of what they'll be like going forward because 
So far this year, they've been exceptionally good at beating under 500 teams. It's really bolstered their record this year, but they've been subpar against over 500 teams. These two games against Indiana helped them to start swinging the tide in that regard. And now that they're more healthy, more or less healthy, you know, we lose Pascal Siakam for a portion of this game because of Ronda Hellas-Jefferson hitting him in the eye after trying to get a block. We lose Kyle Lowry after he takes a what looked to be quite a big bump from Serge Ibaka and leaving the game with whiplash. Marcus Gasol is still out. Norm Powell is still out. It seems that this team cannot escape the injury bug. However, comma, hope springs eternal. And, you know, the Raptors, they've, they've been fantastic. They keep winning games. Fred Van Vliet and co. were able to lock this one down the stretch. And co. involves the fantastic rookie Terrence Davis second. But let me get into the game. That's what you're here for. So I'll just jump into it right away. The Raptors, Pacers, both pretty good offense early on between the two teams. Follows the trend from last game. The offense was pretty good for both for quite a few long stretches. The Pacers still using Sabonis to shake loose most of their players. Brogdon, obviously not super great in isolation. We've seen him take um, big men off the dribble. He's pretty. He's a slinky type of finisher around the rim. He's pretty good at extending and finishing with English or off strange angles, but he's still pretty dependent on a screener. So he's hanging around in the vicinity of one Mr. Demonis Sabonis. Victor Oladipo also taking advantage of Sabonis' gravity as a screener and his proficiency in that play type as well getting loose for a three, getting downhill for a couple baskets as well. Oladipo looks like a a return to form for at least a few moments in this game, playing pretty well in that opening stretch. The Raptors using Siakam, who started five of six in this game. The the Pacers paid a lot of attention to Lowry off the start of this game, really paid him a lot of mind. Lowry is a genius on the basketball court, and when teams pay him a lot of mind, he's usually quite good at setting up his teammates. So What that resulted in was Lowry setting up his teammates, obviously, but he also really, his hesitation dribbles were able to unlock a lot of downhill progress for him. And when he was going downhill, his body control, really on another level, it's such an impressive game in that regard. I highlighted it in the quick reaction right up, but I was talking about how he was headed downhill and Aaron Holiday was trying to keep up with him, backpedaling a little bit, and Kyle Lowry used the ball and put it between the two of them as kind of a buffer to bounce Holiday off of him. And that's a really weird thing to do because it presents the defender with a tie-up opportunity. But Lowry was keeping the Pacers defenders so off-kilter. He was doing such a good job of keeping them off balance, using his body to bounce them and still being able to keep his pivot foot so that he can bounce them, hold his pivot, and one of the Raptors players can dive in towards the rim. He can wait for the big man to either pop out to him because... When he's bouncing a guy, he's sending them probably past the baseline. As we see Aaron Holiday almost into the stands a few times. Jeremy Lamb as well. Lowry's just really good at bouncing guys while going downhill, which opens up the lane like Moses parting the Red Sea. It's it, it's a big deal when Lowry gets in there, and he was doing that early on, getting to the rim for layups for himself, taking that bounce, handing it off to Serge, who's coming to the rim. And while the Pacers are focused on that, Siakam is killing it on switches, able to get to the rim. He's using screens really well. There was one pick and roll possession that was extremely fun to see. We saw him look off the guy who was dropping, which I believe was Sabonis at the time, but his screener was Chris Boucher, I believe. And so we saw him use the gather dribble, kind of enter into his first two steps, but 
his ability to accelerate into his his liftoff and then just taking that gather dribble, faking a pass, gathering into his layup and kind of floating to the rim, gliding in there, finishing a bit awkward, but being able to extend and get to the rim just because he looks off the guy who's supposed to be dropping in and defending the rim and just his ability to manipulate those types of plays is what makes the playoffs really exciting for Raptors fans because we don't often see Pascal Siakam operating in the pick and roll. Even as a screener, he's not getting that much play in that set. So to see him as a ball handler, which is, I think, in the modern NBA, every big-time player, whether from positions three through one, small forward, shooting guard, let's say wings and guards, you have to be able to run the pick and roll if you're going to be a premium offensive option. So to see Siakam doing that, really, really encouraging. If that becomes a regular portion of his game, if that's a regular means of him to get offense, then that's transcendent for him in some ways because it completely revolutionizes how teams will have to guard him. And as you saw, he can get into his bag of goodies. He can he can bring out a couple tricks, and he can always keep those defenders on their back foot. And that's pretty much what the pick and roll is all about, is getting that initial advantage and then getting players who are great at manipulating that advantage, like a Kyle Lowry, to try and extend that further while they're walking the defender under the rim, usually. But to close the quarter as well, Terrence Davis II scoring his only six points of the half. He, he finished with uh, 17, I believe, and that was largely due to a very strong fourth quarter, but came in, hunted down those triples, and his footwork and his aggression reminds you of, we're very scared as Raptors fans watching a Doug McDermott on the Pacers as he's coming around pin downs, or if they're running horns and he's coming up top, even they every once in a while they run an elevator play for him between Miles Turner and and uh, Demonis Sabonis. These are all really scary plays because we fear him as a shooter because he's he's quality, he shoots the ball well, we know he does, and he's looking to get the shot up as soon as he gets the ball. Terrence Davis embodies a lot of that aggression and a lot of that aptitude. He's constantly applying those... what The things that shooters do is exactly what Terrence Davis is usually doing. So he came into the, the league as a guy who did not profile as a shooter and just decided to embody seemingly every aspect of it but he had a couple threes the Raptors go well they leave the first quarter up 36-31 and to start the second quarter better off than last game where the Raptors completely it was 43-18 in the second quarter for the Pacers which is tragic for the Raptors but the Pacers still played pretty well in this frame really really doing a good job of getting their dribble penetration the Raptors did a decent job in this game of suppressing the Pacers' three-point attempts, which obviously wasn't the case last game. But in this game, we're seeing that happening, but the result is Sabonis on the inside, Brogdon getting to the rim quite a bit, things like that. But the Raptors not being able to stop it, not really their focus at that point in the game, but still maintaining the uh, the offensive proficiency. And also to add to that, the, the Raptors... While they're allowing a lot of people on the inside, Sabonis was getting loose for quite a few offensive rebounds and tap-outs to which one of Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, McDermott, whomever would collect. So the Pacers, they were creating quite a few extra possessions for themselves, but the Raptors still keeping pace, doing a decent job of making them work defensively, but also they're playing, to a degree, playing that boomer bust type of defense where they're really trying to get their transition offense going 
Kyle Lowry still has his hands firmly on the wheel of the Raptors offense, drives them into halftime with the lead. And the third quarter was, in this game, probably my favorite quarter, just because of OG Ananobi's emergence, I should say. He was present in the game as a defender. He's present in most games as a defender. He's he's very close to being one of the true elite defenders in the NBA. He brings it most nights. Sometimes he can hit that extra gear where it's he can completely and utterly just silence a player on the on the offensive end. And we we get that quite a few times in the season. And his floor defensively is still quite good. He's he's a very aware defender. He's exceptional in one on one. He's gotten better and better in the team concept. And we see that every game. But he did such a good job of mixing up how he was operating as a tertiary option for the Raptors. And that was, I think we saw 12 points from him, a quick bang, bang, bang from him in that he was able to properly read the defense. And what I mean by that is it's tough to tell how a defense is going to react to, say, Kyle Lowry getting on the inside or Pascal Siakam. Say they get a switch up top, they run like a little screenplay with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, which is what they did at the end of the game, to get Siakam a switch on a guy like Oladipo. Let's say they do that. So the Pacers defense is obviously going to key in on that action, and they're going the resulting advantage that the Raptors get is going to draw the, the attention of the Pacers. How OG Ananobi, for example, responds to that is extremely important to his development because, as we saw, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson had an extremely prolific couple weeks with the Raptors because of how he was able to play off of other players' gravity and how they he was able to sneak in and find the soft spots of defenses. OG Ananobi only took one shot last game against the Pacers. He scored zero points. He just was not finding any room to shoot. And when he was getting the ball, it was in that awkward situation where he wasn't open enough that he felt comfortable, but he, he the defense wasn't coming at him fast enough that he felt like he could get a drive, like he could attack the closeout. So we get awkward triple threading. He's going to take a jab step or two, then pass out. But we saw in this game, he was able to, even sometimes slipping a screen, getting into the middle of the defense, but most importantly, decide whether he was going to shape up off of a drive or cut in under the, behind the the help side defense. And basically in that third quarter, he did a wonderful job of recognizing which was the prudent decision at the time. And that meant that we saw a couple threes from him. It meant we saw a couple dunks from him. And that's just... It's a big deal to have OG Ananobi able to attack off the weak side. That was a huge boon for the Raptors in that quarter. It really helped lift them up. Kyle, he ended up getting injured. It was very close to the Raptors' 9-0 run, which was partially on the back of OG Ananobi. The Raptors' defense at that point in time, too, doing a really good job of locking down the Indiana Pacers' dribble penetration, doing a pretty good job of ganging up on Sabonis on the back end of the defense as well. It seemed like they were going to pull away 100%, but Lowry got injured. The offense kind of dried up. It uh, was going through the hands of Siakam and Fred, who Fred had had a good game, but Siakam, after he got whacked in the eye by Hollis Jefferson, left the game for a short amount of time. I believe he missed 11 shots in a row, so it was it was kind of a brick city for a little bit, and the Raptors were they were definitely out of it, but they still went into the fourth quarter with the lead, and they did a great job of keeping keeping the lead and taking care of business in that fourth quarter, finding enough offense with Fred Van Vliet, who did a pretty good job of getting into the paint and finishing 
he's he's never been a super good finisher. I believe he's at I think around 53% at the rim this year. His high watermark was 56% in 2017, 18, I believe, and that was when he was working off of Kyle and Demar. I think he was close to 52% last year, but not a very good finisher at the rim. He clearly he doesn't have a long wingspan. He's not super explosive in the air. He's just shifty enough to work his way in there, but he's he doesn't have the patience that Kyle Lowry does and not quite the strength, although he is quite strong. He's just not able to bully around in there, and he also doesn't have the patience to outweigh big men who are trying to decide whether to pay him attention or the the player in the dunker spot or the diving big man whatever it is at the at that moment in time but he did a pretty good job of finding his way in there and a really good job of passing out of those situations as well it was it was nice to see but Terrence Davis I think with the biggest input of the fourth quarter hitting threes coming off the weak side to get a putback dunk making the same cut that he made to get the putback dunk, to get a you know a little feed from Fred Van Vliet, who had gotten downhill, to dunk from the exact same spot. Richard Jefferson, who was on the call for ESPN, singing his praises. And also a shout-out to Richard Jefferson as well for being very knowledgeable about the Raptors, actually. And a lot of times with the, the national, well, I guess it, the U.S. national media, you find that they don't really know much about the backstories, but Richard Jefferson was waxing poetic a lot about how great the Raptors were. He seemed to be pretty in tune with what was making the team work, and I'm I'm usually happy to hear that from other broadcasting uh, teams. The Raptors obviously know what's going on with their own team, but I usually watch it from the opposition or TNT or ESPN, whatever is provided at the time. I like to hear about the other team just so I know what to look for, what the Raptors are beating. And also to hear what they think the Raptors are from the outside looking in. Usually, they're they're not that uh, accurate. But Richard Jefferson, for what it's worth, seemed to be keyed into what was making the Raptors go. And credit to him. But the Raptors, on the strength of that nice finish from Terrence Davis, you know, a, a late finish from Pascal Siakam, a really beautiful spin move on Victor Oladipo, just doing all the right things to find this game out. You could hear Nick Nurse yelling, stall at certain points in the game, and Serge Ibaka as well, doing a great job of scoring and just being that rock, hitting threes when the Raptors really needed in this game, being so present as a defender, just really nice to see, and the Raptors 115-106, they, they pulled it out, they did it, 13 straight, and the Reggie Evans award goes to Terrence Davis II, not only because he obviously was able to provide a significant scoring punch, but eight rebounds, he helped out on the glass, which is something we often see from him. He is an exceptional rebounder for his position, and for the amount of time he spent in the league, I think he's been really great, and it's not just that he's corralling easy rebounds. A lot of his are well contested. It shows a level of compete in him, and that's something that Reggie Evans embodied, obviously, but he also had a really mean block on a Doug McDermott three-point attempt. He That put-back dunk, everything about him, just a dog, such a great job competing for the Raptors. Reggie Evans' award goes to him, and well done for it. The top quick reaction comment, two in a row for Arshdeep Singh, says, Where are all the OG Ananobi haters at? A young 22-year-old player in a little bit of a slump, and now everybody wants him traded. Come on, guys. Be patient and let these kids develop. Ananobi was fantastic this game on both ends of the floor and has been solid all season. Yeah, he's been solid um, 
I certainly am not an OG Ananobi hater, but he there there are certain games where he does have to be better. There are certain games where he's definitely invisible, and I don't know what the amount of time. Well, I guess basically what it is is being hateful or being a critic and critiquing his game and maybe positive criticism or I should say constructive criticism, I think, is what a lot of people have for OG. But maybe from where you're seeing there's a lot of uh, negative criticism that is trade him, I guess. But the trade the trade deadline is over anyway. But regardless, I, I do think it's. He deserves love for this game, and he's been—he's definitely been solid for. He's had two, I guess it would be three or four nice stretches of this season, but he's had two or three pretty subpar stretches. Of course, his defense is usually always there, as I spoke about earlier in the podcast. But sometimes he is more invisible on offense than he should be. He does have the tools to compete more often on that end. He is a smart player. We've seen him operate. Pretty well as a passer downhill. We've seen him work within the Raptors sets offensively. He should be pretty well acquainted with them too to find his spots like he did tonight. Of course, it's not always going to be 16 points on 5 of 8 shooting. It, it it would be crazy if it was. That would be like Terrence Davis. But the Raptors, sometimes they do need more from him. And I know he's only 22, but he is a starter. And he does have this spot on the Raptors team. And this is his job, is to be good at basketball. And sometimes he's a little bit underwhelming. But if that's that's the worst thing I'll ever say about OG Ananobi. I love him. I obviously was talking about how great he's been in this game. And there's so many parts of the season where he's been fantastic. I wrote a piece at the start of the year about how he will probably find himself in the talks for an all-NBA defensive team. I definitely don't want to gloss over how great he is defensively. But... I this is a really really encouraging game from him offensively. Zero point games, only one field goal attempt games, definitely do deserve their criticism as long as it's not overreacting. It can be like, hey, you've got to be better. You really have to find a way to contribute sometimes. OG, you need to insert yourself into the offense sometimes, and that's that's fair to say. But if people are asking for him to be traded with that little of a leash uh, to make mistakes, then that's probably wrong. But Arshdeep, thanks for commenting, thanks for writing that out, and thanks for your input. But for me, that's it for my input. I'm out of here. Thank you so much for listening, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day, and goodbye. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details. When you're a pro, your reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max Construction Adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets. And like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. 
Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.